Good morning, everybody. Zach Marzo here from Melman Podcast. David here. David Melman is with me. Really excited this morning. We have Dr. Amit Patel from Summit Spine and Joint Centers. I'm going to let him introduce himself formally, but uh, great guy. Um, started from, you know, the bottom like a lot of people and, uh, you know, is, is, is doing big things and just grown and is an awesome business mind uh, and physician as well, which you don't find too many times um, having that business mind as well as the medical mind. So really cool to have him on. Uh, thanks for joining us, Dr. Patel. Yeah. Appreciate you. Good morning, guys. Um, really an honor to be here. I appreciate you guys inviting me uh, up here. I've been working with David and Zach for almost, what, three to four years. Yeah, a long time. And so uh, this is a great opportunity to share what we do and uh, uh, what you guys have been doing. Uh, this one the real thing on the podcast, I think it's it's been a great idea. It's been pretty inspirational uh, for small business owners who are medium and small size. Uh, for example, we had an um, IT issue in our office, and then I, I plugged on to the podcast, and I, you guys are interviewing a great IT group that does work here at Melman Law Firm, and we're going to actually, we may hire them. That's so, amazing. Sure. So, um, and that's awesome. So a little, little back, background about me. I'm an uh, interventional pain physician. My background is anesthesia. I grew up in Virginia uh, as a small kid. My parents were immigrants here. Uh, my dad was a civil engineer. I grew up with a family of physicians. My sister's a physician. My grandfather is a physician. Nine cousins are a physician. My, my dad was the odd apple uh, civil engineer, <clears throat> but then he became an entrepreneur in, 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 the, uh, in the state, in the hotel industry. So I grew up in a cocoon of a, of a business where basically uh, uh, my, my dad, the first hotel we bought, I lived, I lived right behind the, the customer office. Um, and so I'd give rooms out, uh, answer phone calls as I got older. And so <clears throat> that was a kind of my first experience in sort of business, uh, customer service and, and, and doing those things. Um, I went on to go to undergrad at the University of Virginia, uh, where I majored in chemistry. And then with the family pressures and, and things like that, I went on to become a physician at uh, uh, Eastern Virginia Medical School. I did my residency at the University of Michigan, uh, where I trained in anesthesia, and I did my fellowship in Emory. We located it uh, in Atlanta. We had a lot of family over here. And so I joined academic faculty at Emory for about a year, year and a half. And so where I did pain management and did anesthesia uh, at Emory um, I liked academics a lot, but I, I wanted to sort of the entrepreneurial uh, self. I wanted to go out in private practice, so I went ahead and joined a, a physician on the south side of Georgia uh, for about a year and a half, learned the business well, learned about customer care, learned about billing, learned about uh, how to take care of patients, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so at, at that point, you know, I kind of was like, you know what, I, I think I can, I want to do this on my own. And so I had a big non-compete clause, uh, and so I went across uh, from the south, south, south side in, in Stockbridge. I opened Lawrenceville, my first location. And um, I'll, uh, I'll continue to talk. I could sure. Yeah, no, yeah. So, sure. Yeah. So, my, yeah my, my, my first, honestly, yeah. just thought, thinking about that, one, um, you know, growing up, w how you grew up, being around your family, you know, that obviously helps, right? Everybody uh, from an early age, they learn it from somewhere. My first question, because you said, you know, you work for somebody on the south side and you wanted to do it yourself. Do you feel like... Um, you, who you were working for kind of mentored you into wanting to do it yourself? Or do you feel like you learned a lot of what you know now kind of on your own, which is kind of weird to say, but some people they're like, yeah, I can do this better. Like I, you almost kind of level up on somebody and you're like, ah, you know, I can do this better. I want to do it on my own. Or do you feel like, you know, somebody had a huge role in um, making you feel like you could do this and taught you, you know, kind of showed you the ropes. Because not everybody knows, right? You, yeah. you just didn't know anything about it when right. you started. That's a great question. You know, I, I think it was more the latter. I, I think I, I, I had a lot of ideas, uh, but I wasn't, a, I wasn't an owner. I was a minority partner. Gotcha. And, and I wasn't heard. And I think one of the part, when you're part of a team, um, and you may not 
be the majority owner or uh, the higher equity value guy, but you want to be heard. And so I felt like after a year and a half, I had a lot to add and I wasn't heard. And at some point, you know, becoming frustrated and saying, hey, I think we should do this or that and not having it done or executed, you have to make a decision. Sure. And so I said, you know, even if I, quote unquote, make less money than I'm making uh, now or I'm not as successful, I'm going to be okay with that. And once I once that happened, I was like, you know what, um, I think I can do this. Even if I fail, it's okay. I'm young. I can always mm-hmm. go back and work for somebody else. Um, and, and so uh, that was sort of my uh, uh, kind of thing that clicked in my head. My mentor, it was probably my father, sure. mean, his work ethic, uh, growing up, his integrity, his honesty, um, his risk-taking, mm-hmm. um, those things that I think that played off on, on me, and, and, and they've always been there for me. So, uh, But I think the latter for that. Yeah, oh, sure, for cool. sure. And you brought up a good point. You know, some people think they can get out of school and do it themselves right away. You wanted to learn everything before you can kind of dabble into it. Some people just want to jump ship and go right into it and think they can do it. But you... I mean, I'm sure it was a strategic decision to get out of there and work for somebody, you know, like you said, minority partner, to learn every aspect of it and then take everything and make it better into your own, which is, seems like it's what, what you did. I mean, from one practice, two, three, four, I can keep counting, you know. I mean, in that time frame to open up that many practices and at your age, not that I'm downplaying your age, but I mean, it's incredible. I mean, we don't see it every day. You know, in our industry, we see doctor offices all the time, maybe one two locations, but to do what you've done, um, it's one thing to be a great doctor, but then also to scale that mindset and to scale the practice itself. I mean, I think what's big on that is I watched an interesting video yesterday for a few minutes and they asked like, what is the biggest hurdle? And that person actually said the biggest hurdle is me. And that was it's billionaire. I forget the name. And the reason why, because at some point he learned to kind of release and delegate out rather than thinking you can do everything yourself. And I guess that's what I want to ask you, you know, to scale something at that level with that many employees and that many just departments, at what point did you realize after your first that you have to kind of release some of the grasp and let people do their job and put them in there? And the biggest thing is if you put people to do a job and they're successful at it, you're successful in return. It's a relationship back and forth. Yeah. So how did you learn that? You know? Yeah. You don't mind. Yeah. It's a great question. That's a difficult question. Um, I think it's an organic process as you grow. You know, we, we went from one employee or three employees when I first started to leasing out 4,000 square feet and, and saying, oh, my God, you know, there's no way I can pay rent, um, et cetera, et cetera, working part time for the VA and doing those things. And then understanding, look, I can't do um, billing or submit claims. So I, the first 10, the one thing that I've done, I've done everything in the office that everybody else has done. And I've submitted uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield uh, claims. Sure. I use clearing houses to do that. I set up the IT phone system with the IT guys at the very beginning. I, I scanned at the very beginning or way, way back. That's really helped me from a billing standpoint, uh, from a uh, contractual standpoint, and then from hiring. Because now I've done that. Even It may have been, I've been for a long period of time, but I did all of it. Sure. So a lot of this, man, I got tired, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. a lot of this fatigue. You uh-huh. start growing. And uh, one, thing I, one thing I knew from my previous experience was that customer service uh, w- w- was always an issue in the practice, which led to a decrease in referrals, right? And my field is unique uh, in the sense that uh, if you're an orthopedic surgeon and you see a patient, uh, you fix their hip, they're gone, right? They'll come back. We have chronic patients. Chronic. So we have patients that we can go from one patient to 5,000 patients over a period of time if you retain patients because they come back on a month by month sure. basis, right? And so you have basically ancillary uh, uh, encounters every month that grow and grow and grow. How can you retain those patients over a period of time? 
Uh, is it a 50% rotation rate? Is it 70%? I think that's really important. You can build on that. And then how do you bring new patients in? And, but how do you combine that? And so as, as we were growing, I knew I needed to add on new billing, right? So I outsourced billing right away. But then I figured out that we're paying uh, 6% of top-line revenue. And then I, I did the math. So I just hired the billing team away mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. and brought yeah. them as W-2. Got it. Um, we, we did that. Uh, I needed an office manager. So I, I resourced uh, my relationships within the community about who could be a really good office manager for a small practice. I then trusted her to do all the HR hiring. But I was very involved. I think, you know, to be successful at the very beginning, you have to really immerse yourself in all phases of business, just like you did and you did, right? Mm-hmm. You have to be able to do that. And it has to be something that's uh, uh, your passion. If, if it's not then it's hard to be successful because then you, you'll wax and wane. Uh, and so, um, and then as we've grown, it's been a different phase for me. Uh, we, we've continued to grow. We added on, um, we, we added on more physicians, which then we needed more nurse practitioners. I looked at volume. So I have a volume metric that I typically do when I need to bring somebody on that I just kind of felt was right. And this, we still kind of do that to this day. Sure. And then when we did the private equity merger or sale, the practice, um, it was, we professionalized the infrastructure of the C-suite team. We brought on a compliance officer, Harvard MBA. We brought on a new CFO. Uh, we brought on a controller, uh, COO, an ancillary service. That, those guys are really good. So you have to have a team. You have to be able to delegate. And then you have to be able to know each person you're pulling. So, you know, my yeah. COO and CFO are completely different personalities, and they respond differently, Right. Uh, I respond differently. And, sure. and so being able to sort of figure that out, I think is really important. Yeah, oh, that's a great answer. I, I have a, a quick question. I think for me, like, I, I kind of want to know, did you, when you were in college, you just got out of college, did you see yourself where you're at now? Or does this kind of like, I mean, you put in the time, you put in the hard work, obviously you're, you're scanning, setting up phones, like you got to be able to get your hands dirty at first. You're not just going to be able to hire a videographer, a, you know, a sales team, like you got to do it all and you got to grind and do it. But I, I'm just wondering if that's been a vision of yours since day one, or it's kind of changed over time. And you're kind of like, dude, I, you know, I kind of got to this point where, you know, managing uh, multiple practices, a lot of doctors, like, you know, how the hell did this happen? Which I think is cool both ways, right? You just, as long as the bottom line, the foundation was hard work, you know, you kind of didn't know what, what to come, but some people visualize that I'm going to have 10 practices by the time of here. How was that kind of for you in your mind? What was your vision when you got out of college? Yeah. No, so, you know, out of college, I, the goal was to get into medical school or my parents would kill me. Right? Yeah, right. Sure. So, so then, so um, I, I did that. And I, I always wanted my own practice. My uncles had their own practices, medical practices, mm-hmm. would go visit. And so I think I'd see that a lot. Uh, I grew up in a small business. Right. Again, my, my father is his own, own, own boss, uh, which was a lot of work, but also he didn't really have to answer anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think maybe my personality was, it was hard for me when I worked for, for another physician uh, sure. my first couple of years. You know, I, I think I could tell that I wanted to be my own. And I think the decision at that, at, so did I visualize it? I wanted my own practices, but but uh, I've gotten been very blessed and lucky to have this many. Yeah. No, I didn't think we'd be this successful this quickly. Sure. Um, uh, but I did visualize having my own practice. I thought it might be like a one or two office thing. Sure. But I'm going home my own time. Uh, and I'm and, and I'm doing the things that I want to do. Yeah. So no, it's a great answer. And with that kind of growth, there's sacrifice. I think you know, and I see it in this office. You know, um, family. Yeah. You're a father. You know, husband. Um, how do you manage your time to not take away too much from your your business, but also your family comes first. And I know that you're a family man first. Yeah. So how do you do that where you have enough time for everything? Yeah, that's you know that's that's a tough question. Uh, balance is always key. I think the idea of being present is important. And I think presence is whether sports or family events being there. Um, 
And so at the very beginning, yeah, I mean, I, we, it was weekends and, and, and weekdays. My kids were younger then. They're nine and six now. So, you know, um, so they didn't have events, soccer events, tennis events, piano, uh, school tutoring and all that stuff. So I didn't, I don't think I missed out a lot there. But um, I, I think I do what everybody else does. You, you do your best. I mean, mm-hmm. I you, you yeah. try to get home. Uh, try to, the weekends are pretty protective uh, in terms of trying to be as active as possible with the kids sure. uh, and, and the family. Um, and so that's always a work in progress. And I, I think, uh, you know, when you have a, a free weekend um, uh, that's that, that, that you're not focusing on your business, be doing something that's sort of uh, memory-making with the family is, I think, it's important. Sure. And you say be there and be there means not just, and I, I, and I'm guilty of doing this sometimes I'm there, but I'm on my phone. So I want to put my phone away. So I'm actually there, there, not just like 50% there and in one ear. So I think that's crucial because if you can come home to a healthy mindset and of course nothing's perfect, you can take that into the next week of coming in strong, ready to attack. But if you're frustrated with how everything's going there and you feel like you're not giving enough to the kids or the wife or the husband or whatever, um, you can come into next week feeling good and ready to work and you have a good support system behind you. You know, I'm sure your wife supports you, the children support you. You're doing everything for them because at a certain point, there's only so much you can do. You're doing it for them and their foundation, you know, and for your name. And that's a beautiful thing, I think, with scaling it from one to three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine businesses, you could have done one or two and been done. But I think with the way your brain thinks, you don't want to get bored either. You want to keep it moving, you know? So you got to keep engaging your brain and uh, balance is huge. Uh, Making sure, you know, delegation is huge. It's a huge, you know, big thing you bring up there because you can't scale to the level you've done without, I think, delegating. And we're about four and a half years in our everyday job, Melman Law Group. And, you know, we're at a point of figuring out the shift of what's the next play. Is it the crazy aggressive play or are we going to keep this coast play going? And uh, I don't know. It's going to be interesting, you know, because I get bored too, you know. Building building off of that before you jump in, uh, Dr. Patel, is how do you even now stay motivated? Like, you know, you've had success young, but you still have a hell of a long life to live ahead, um, you know. And uh, I just wonder, you know, you get to a certain point where, yeah, you can get comfortable, but then, but then I think this, like, the, it's just not maybe in your blood. Like, I think about David, oh, I'm going to get to a point where I can be cozy or, you know, maybe I'm there, but internally, it's like, it's this constant battle to just want to do well, play the game, the competition, the challenge, like that stuff matters. But for you, I don't know, I'm just curious now what kind of drives you, motivates you, wants you to you know, continue with Summit Spine and Joint Centers and build that brand as best as you possibly can? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I, I think the core why I started the practice, one of the core principles was, can, can we provide better patient service and patient mm-hmm. care for these patients than any other practice? And so if you think about that, uh, the more, lo- more offices that we have, the more we have the ability to transform that uh, he or she's life, right? Um, and chronic pain is, is, is difficult. Chronic pain, you have a lot of anxiety issues, you have, uh, you have some life debilitating issues and being able to, tr- to even be able to help them decrease their pain score, get them back to family life, be able to do those things is, is really, really important. And the core of the mission is that. So by opening more offices, we actually touch more p- patients' lives. Sure. I think what gets lost in that is hiring the right physicians is important too. And sure. Who, who share the same vision. Uh, and, and, and so I think that's, that's really important. That's always driven uh, the practice. And I think once we get away from that, I think that's when the practice uh, has, will ha- can have issues. Uh, and I think being true to your core values is, is helping patients get back. Um, it's pretty gratifying when they come back and, and they make you uh, an apple pie when you did something really, really good. Now, do we get all, you know, that'd be like one out of 100 patients. Sure. But that one patient keeps you coming back. It's, it's like playing golf. 
you get a birdie, I know. you want to keep playing, right? It's amazing. And, you know, the, our patients that, you know, you guys treat at times with the Melvin Law Group, very, very happy with the service. And a lot of times, you know, they, requ- they request you. You know, I want to see Dr. Patel. You know, they, you know, they love you. Um, and not only that, you take it up another level because I know you have people in your office where they follow up too with them. They're following up, making sure the care was great. They're following up with the firm, making sure we have everything we need. So everything you surround yourself with the way you run it is making sure everything is successful and people are happy and you're taken care of, whether it's the patients, your employees, people you work with. And at some point, like I always think you can't make everybody happy in terms of like your employees, right? You have all these employees. Um, your patients are happy. You're always on that, but your employees, because you can't always make everybody happy because you don't know what's going on in their life every day. So somebody can be happy this week, but then something happens over the weekend, they're pissed. So how do you manage so many people and personalities? And like you said, you have multiple people on HR, um, compliance officers. So that's difficult, I think, you know, um, how did you get that mindset to be able to manage that and not have it affect your patients every day visits? Yeah. That's a w- work in progress. Yeah. And, yeah. and so, you know, we're, I think we're up to 165 employees sure. right now. Um, a lot of them are medical assistants. So that's an entry level uh, employee who helps patients get back, but they're, they're as important as anybody that sure. we have in our, in, of course. our uh, in our practice. So I, I think one is delegation, making sure that HR is strong on the employee side. Uh, meeting their their issues and, and questions that they have, uh, what's going on. We have employee satisfaction scores um, that go out every quarter that help us guide decision-making. Uh, we have quarterly meetings with the entire practice um, based on subsections, MAs, nurses, physicians. Um, and, and then the whole thing, is the, the culture, creating the culture, I think is really important, right? Creating a culture of, of kind of openness. If you have an issue, please talk to HR, go to compliance, Go, come to me, right? Sure. Um, but that is very hard. Again, everybody's a little bit different. Our yeah. C-suite team's different uh, from the finance team uh, to our operations manager. But you really have to set goals and parameters for each division head, sure. and have them report back to you to see if they're making, if, if they're meet, if we're meeting these goals. And who sets those goals in each division? Who sets? So them? I think it's a consensus uh, okay. that we all do, right? Sure. Uh, so we have our we call a metric meeting. So every um, uh, once a week we have. Uh, a meeting that's, that's basically driven by data. And that's uh, one of, for HR metric is employees that have quit over the last quarter. Sure. And it was, so three employees quit here. Well, why? You know, was it pay? Uh, was it a uh, kind of an environment issue, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So that drives, we try to improve that process. Sure. The, the other metrics are procedures or, you know, encounters for the month, uh, revenue numbers and uh, scanning, scaling. So, so I think that helps us uh, from that standpoint. Uh, but but the culture really, and, and I send out emails to the entire practice probably once a month, um, uh, whether it has to do with something that's going on socially um, that we can help, um, or uh, pertinent issues that are that are hurting the practice right now, whether it's COVID nineteen, you know, the protest. I think having having all those things and, and discussing that's really important. Sure. But you have to have a strong team, and the same message has to be clear. How sure. do you get that employee satisfaction score? Like, how does that even, is that them like taking a survey about how happy they are working at, um, you know, they're in their position or how do you get that feedback to know how satisfied they are as an employee? Yeah. So, you know, one is uh, we, a lot of our employees drive different locations during the day, mm-hmm. right? Uh, did they get out in time? What time did you leave your last office? Uh, what, what time did you get to the next office? Helps with scheduling. Also helps with patients. If the employees are getting there late, patients are coming in late. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to drive. So should we open up one full day in one location and not have that happen? Sure. Uh, lunch employee. Sometimes we get really busy and we cut lunch short. Mm-hmm. Right? Sure. And so did you get your... <laughs> what, it, what is lunch? 
Yes. I don't know for, yeah. for people yeah, listening. He know what lunch is. What, what is, what yeah. is lunch? Very, you know, if my wife wants to grab lunch or somebody not to just go on a tangent, but it's like, you know, yeah, I have, uh, you know, five minutes left on lunch. Like, you know, I'm going to go outside. It's like, dude, let's get back to work. Like, uh, I don't like to just take those random breaks during the day. Like, I'm here. Let's focus, yeah. you know. But nonetheless, I, sorry. I, I'm the same way. And I, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. HR comes to me. <laughs> it's like, dude, they have to have, they have to <laughs> eat. Right, the 30 right. minute lunch break. Sure. It's a, I know. It's a law. Sure. And so, yeah, so it's we, a law. <laughs> sure. so we, we have to have uh, the, the, so that's important. But, mm-hmm. And I have to sure. be able to, to do that. And we do lunches too. So for every, we all these offices, I'll try to go by, we'll do uh, quarterly lunches every location sure. with the core group of medical that's assistants cool. to, mm-hmm. to do that. And then you have your physicians who are completely different, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Big hearing time. their needs. Uh, they're, cool thing is a lot of them are equity owners in their own surgery centers it's amazing uh, which then makes them sort of we, we think alike on on, on decision making and that mm-hmm. helps a lot right um and did you set that up for them to be like that yeah you, sure. yeah how did yeah because you know it's amazing you yeah, did it like huge. that for them it's huge yeah you know i so and i think that the two-year experience for me uh was, was really important because i had equity but it was minor sure. uh and and i i didn't have a say and i think equity is important um, because I think it crea- substantial equity is important because I think it creates uh, sort of a partnership on decision making, and you see things a little bit differently than you are as an employee or even a minority ownership. Uh, but more importantly, is them being heard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, anytime I make a decision that re- revolves around their practice, I want them to give me a feedback. If I'm hiring a physician. Or we're interviewing, and they do not like, or not like, but it maybe doesn't fit our mold. Sure, I actually take that into account. I mean, I, and so I think making money is really important, and they're very successful. But I think coming to work, having a say in the business, and it, and, and saying, hey, this is part part me. This is mine too. I Agreed. think it's really important. And I got great docs, great guys, like brothers to me. Sure, uh, especially the four. Yeah, we see you guys go on trips. I mean, you're not going to go on trips with people yeah. you don't like. I mean, yeah. these are people that you care about, love. You want to see them be successful every day. I want to touch back on meetings quickly because your whole day probably is meetings. Mm -hmm. And knowing just how you think, I think I know. um, I think people have to understand how to have meetings that are valuable and then meetings that just keep going. And I can see you being the one where they're coming in there with metrics. It's this and this and this. Minimal emotion if you're showing facts and numbers, right? Execute and out. And I feel like in a lot of businesses, people have meetings and we get better at that. My old job before, we would have a meeting with everybody together, the accounting team, sales team. Why is everybody wasting their time on one fucking meeting when it makes no sense? Um, Separate it out, but quick, sweet, short, done. People like yeah. to drag meetings out, yeah. and I can I can just sense from you like if you're in a meeting with your team like they know what you want. Don't go on for an extra 20, 30 minutes about La La Land, you know, yeah. in and out, in and out. And I think you really have to manage time with meetings when people are in your position because you have so many every day. You're on a schedule. Sometimes people just go off, you know, different topics and just keep mm-hmm. it to the point. And the busier you, know, you get, obviously, yeah. the more efficient you have to be. So it's almost like I have 10 minutes for this meeting, guys. Like, boom, boom, boom. There's no That's time it. for. Are you like that at all? Yeah. Or I mean, I know you want to listen to them talk, but they know sure. you to know what to talk about. Yeah. You know, you know, the, the, so. Part of the private equity equity transaction and partnership has been that. So I went to a retreat, and the okay. private equity portfolio companies that they own, other than me, sure, uh, were all, were great. And the the metric somewhere a lot were software companies, okay, weren't medical practices. But what I took from that retreat was the the way they standardized these, these meetings on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then got feedback on Friday was very good. And it's something that we really hadn't done before. You hadn't the private equity transaction, okay, and that was two thousand eighteen. Sure, the last two years we put that in place. Um, I want to get more efficient. So right. our meetings can drag on, but I think it's really cutting to the chase, 
making a decision and moving on. And if there is an issue uh, in that area, and you can't, you don't want to resolve it around 20 people. You said, hey, look, let's just meet right afterwards. Okay, true. And then we drive meeting afterwards. So the finance team needs to meet with the controller. Sure. Um, the the uh, the uh, the downstairs, I, I call it the uh, the logistics team, has to meet with a logistics head. Sure. And, and come back, and they have 15 minute meetings, and they report back. Um, We're well, not taking up everybody's time. On no. The, yeah, that's a good point. But data and numbers, whatever that is, is important because mm-hmm. it creates uh, an objective metric. And it might right. not be right at the very beginning. We looked sure. at some stuff before it didn't really drive decision-making. Right. And, and that's an evolution and process. But that's really important. As you get big, you've got to have be able to do that. Sure, uh, and, sure. And again, we're, we're getting better at that. So. You, sure. Yeah, you get better over practice and time, yeah. you know. I think just thinking about like other business owners that are watching this, oh, you know, I'm, it's hard to find good people, uh, you know, people are quitting, this, that, and the other, and just something you touched on, on being heard, like there are things more valuable um, than money, obviously, you have to, you get to a certain point, all right, now I'm comfortable, like, you know, it's not like you're, you're getting paid, you know, below minimum wage or something, obviously, you have to make enough money, but like you said, having a say or feeling like, um, you know, you contribute to this business is something that I think business owners want to hear, because are there employees like helping in decisions, even if it's something super small, but you want to feel like, you know, you have some type of purpose and say in what you're doing. And I I think that's really cool how you developed it with, you know, you're working with your docs. Like you guys are on the same, it's not like Dr. Patel and everybody's looking up, you know, Adam, like you're, they're scared. It's like, Hey, let's make some decisions together. Obviously we know who's calling the shots at the end of the day, but I think, a lot of employees are maybe underappreciated. You know, I can't, I don't really know that because, you know, uh, David and Marina are, are awesome. And I feel like our culture at Melman Law Group is great and the team that we have, but there's probably a lot of other businesses that, um, you know, they're maybe take advantage of their staff or, you know, they want to save money or they're not letting them kind of in on it. But I just thought that that was an awesome point you touched on for other business owners that maybe have to relook at how they have their business structured and how they're taking care of their employees. Are they doing meetings? Are they, you know, having lunch together? Like, what does that look like? You know, it's all about that culture, um, of that particular business. Sure. You know, um, amazing solid points during this. Um, anything you want to throw to any potential people that want to go into business and like, you didn't plan 10 offices or 11 off. You didn't plan that you plan one, then two, then three. Sometimes people want to fast forward to everything and not take it step by step. Yeah. Anything you want to, any piece of advice you can leave them with anything, you know, yeah, I, you know, I think number one is do something you're passionate about, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I, I think uh, that's something that's uh, tr- tried and, 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 and tried out, and, and everybody's done that, has done well. I think the other thing is once you decide to do it, I think the important thing is creating a sense of urgency. And I think most successful entrepreneurs, a sense of urgency is probably the most common characteristic or, or idea that they have. And what that means is, is if I'm going to do something and I'm passionate about it, and you're all in. You need to be all in, number one. And then number two, there's going to be sacrifice, and you got to be okay with that. And then number three, when there is something to be done, you need to make sure it gets done quickly. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I – my goal is always, if I lose my sense of urgency at this point, um, it's because that, – that's when I know that I'm not in it, my head's not in it. Mm-hmm. When we have a surgery center that needs to be accredited, we, shouldn't, we should call, why isn't Joint Commission coming today? Right. It should be coming tomorrow. You know, not wait a week from the next meeting. 
Sure, mm-hmm. sure. That's not, that it's, it's amazing how many, you know, in our day-to-day, like people that we deal with, how there is that lack of urgency. It's just so laid back. And we're like, yeah. that's okay, but that's, those aren't the providers and, and people and organizations and you name it that we want to work with. Like, dude, we're waiting. I'm like, yeah. we're like waiting for that response so that we can then attack, do, you know? Do you think we're crazy or... Yeah, I, I, I keep right. asking. I don't think I'm crazy. We want to get it done. Yeah. Well, that's why we work together well, well right? Because you know, you, I know. you text me and, and there's an issue. It's in a minute. Like within yeah. a minute. And what also it creates for me is we need to solve it and also say, hey, what's the issue back end that I need to fix? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, uh, or whatever it is. Or getting yeah. a patient or medical records in. I think that's important. If I tell an entrepreneur who's starting his practice, something he's passionate about, and then once he decides to do it, he needs to jump in with a sense of urgency and not lose it. Not lose it. Not lose it. And so. if you start losing it, Maybe taking a break for a little bit, getting your mind clear. Yeah. So I'm sure you burn out. Yeah. So I, I think getting back, and, and that's where delegation and creating the culture of the employees around, right? Right. So th- they know how, the one thing that bothers me is not following up on things right away. Sure. Mm-hmm. And so they, they, I can get really irked about that. And yep. so that's created some a sense of urgency in most of my employees. Now, some not, but but we're, we're working. What here. about people that they know that? Because sometimes they'll be like, how does, how does you know, our team or, or someone else not know David and Marina enough to know, like, what they want? Like, they could tell them, but then maybe it just kind of doesn't happen. Because I'm thinking, like, if I knew my boss or my, um, you know, who I report to directly and how they are, yeah. I would obviously adjust, you know, to those different people. But sometimes they, don't they just realize. don't, they just don't or, and I don't know if it's just like, I don't know, sometimes it's hard to understand. Like, how do you not know who you're working for better at this point? Yeah. You I know? think at that point, then I, I find people who, don't respond over a period of time after you made the effort mm-hmm. not to care about the business yeah. or you individually, like yeah. maybe individually, but maybe yeah. at the business. So, yeah, sure. you know, sure. and that's an employee employer thing. And, and I think finding the right person then, yeah. and, and that person may, may or not be a great fit for Melvin Sure. sure. Spot, yeah. So. That's a, that's a good point. You know, you gotta have good people that want to be there yeah. that complement each other. One bad person can spread, mm-hmm. you know, and, and for you to have the team set up with HR compliance, like it's not going to spread. It's going to, be cut off at the head before anything even can happen. You can't manage hundreds of personalities. You know, you can only see, react, and then help. But if some people just don't want to be helped, you gotta, you gotta let it go. Yeah. You know what I mean? You gotta let it go and move on and get the next one. Yeah. I mean, really great employees are tough to find. Sure. Team members, you gotta manage them, nurture them, uh, keep them engaged. You know, and, and that's I think crucially. You know, I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, um, awesome. Some huge value. I hope you enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. L- likewise, we'll have to uh, do it again. There's so much to talk about that, you know, we could talk for hours and hours, but, uh, you know, maybe sometime in the future, uh, we're going to have our awesome new setup, yep. um, our own podcast room for Melman Podcast. We'll definitely have you uh, roll back through sure. when, right. uh, when that time comes. Thanks, okay. Dr. Patel. Appreciate Thanks. you. Cool. Bye. Rock and Bye. roll. Cool. That was-